Welcome to the All-American Chapel Protestant Service Podcast. This week's sermon will be given by Chaplain Andy Anderson. Amen. Praise the Lord. Happy Easter, All-Americans. This is a glorious day. This is the Lord's day, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what our hope is in, our blessed hope. At the cross, we had forgiveness when Jesus died for us. And God loved us so much that he brought us beyond forgiveness. He brought us eternal life, that forever we may be with him. Can you imagine what it was like that day when the ladies were coming to the tomb early in the morning, the first day of the week? They came to the sepulchre at the rising of the sun, sad and asking, who will roll away the stone? But when they came, it was rolled away, and an angel in white garments telling them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? For he is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And that is our cry this morning, our call and response. When the pastor says, he is risen, you respond with, he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Greet each other with these words and the love of the Lord. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. About a month ago, I am in the middle of a counseling session. Many of you know, as chaplains do a lot of that. And I'm counseling with this guy, friend, uh, soldier. And he's telling me about a lot of things that are going on in his life. And uh, I can just tell, man, that he is down. I mean, down. So I asked him a question that I often ask soldiers as I covertly tried to try to proselytize them. <laughs> I asked him, with all this going on in your life, with everything seemingly against you, where do you find hope? And he said, chaplain, you know I don't have an answer for that question. What a lonely and dark place to be. So many people are right there this morning without being able to give an answer of where hope come from, where hope comes from. When it seems like the whole world is against you, when it seems like you're facing the worst storms of life and yet you have nothing to cling to. I wonder if you've been ever ever been in a situation like that where your world seems to be ripped out from under you. Where everything that you thought was going well for you is now against you. And you've now found yourself in this hole. You've tried and you've tried and you've done everything right. And yet you're in this pit of despair lost. Well, the Gospel of Luke shares with us a similar story about a people who had lost hope. The Gospel of Luke tells us that there were a group of people who had put their trust and their hopes in one man and had those hopes crushed when he was abruptly murdered while celebrating the Passover. 
What would life be like now that their leader was gone? How would they move forward? What was the plan? Who, who will we trust in now that he's dead? Well, Luke has an answer for us this morning, amen? In Luke 24, you can turn there with me now. I'm sure most of you are already there. We're going to focus our attention at the beginning on verses 1 through 3. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, if I was Tim Wilson, I'd say, let's stop right there. Allow me to set the stage for you this morning. Some of y'all got that. <laughs> Allow me to set the stage for you this morning of what's taking place here in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 3. It's early on Sunday morning, and this group of women, a couple of Marys, a Martha, have gone out to anoint the dead body of Jesus Christ with spices, as was the Hebrew custom. Now, this was not on their weekend agenda last week. This was not something that was in their plan as they began to make preparations for the Passover. If you recall, last week began in a very happy way, did it not? Jesus rode into Jerusalem and people lined the streets singing his praises. Jerusalem was packed. They was packed with people that were there to celebrate the Passover and it was packed with people who were there to see Jesus. Most historians estimate that there were between 600,000 to 1.1 million people in Jerusalem. All there really to do one thing, and that's to see the potential Messiah. Hey, have you heard about this Jesus? He could be the one. He could be the one to restore Israel. He could be the one to throw off the Romans. He could bring the, the one to bring us religious freedom that we have so longed for. So they all came down to see Israel was buzzing. Jerusalem was buzzing. As Jesus entered, the Messiah could be here now. But for all the hype, the week soon turned pretty sour as some of the religious leaders plotted to kill Jesus and finally executed their plan Thursday evening. And then on Friday... Jesus was murdered. The religious leaders got what they wanted. And by Friday, many of those same people that lined those streets and sung Jesus' praises were happy to see him dead and buried. As you can imagine, this was pretty traumatic for the disciples and for anyone who had been hoping that Jesus would be the Messiah. So now it's early morning. And by the way, the disciples are nowhere to be found. 
Jesus is laying dead in the tomb. It's a tragedy. So many people had placed all of their hopes in Jesus only to have them crushed when he was murdered. But each of us must realize that the disciples, I'm sorry, that Jesus' death was more, was traumatic for more than just the disciples. We know that there were many religious leaders in Israel who were secretly hoping that Jesus would be the Messiah. If you will recall the Pharisee Nicodemus, most of you know the story of Nicodemus, going to Jesus in secret, and here's what he said in John chapter 3. We know, we, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. That's a Pharisee speaking. That's not a disciple. That's not a woman. woman. <laughs> That's not out in the crowd. That's a religious leader in Israel. Notice he says, we know. We're talking, Jesus. We've been talking. There were these whispers in the background that we don't get in the gospel, but we know they were there where these people were looking for a Messiah, and here is Jesus doing the miraculous, and they are witnessing it and seeing it with their own eyes. Hey, 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 I was there. I saw Jesus heal a blind man and make him see. I saw that. I was there when he fed about 20,000 people. In fact, I ate, and it was really good. I was there when he made the mute speak. I was there when he made the lame walk. In fact, he knew my thoughts. And he spoke to me directly. I was there when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Pretty undeniable that God was with this Jesus could he be the one now to redeem us could he be Israel's true Messiah so all these conversations are taking place about Jesus potentially being the Messiah but most of them did not understand what Jesus was truly there to accomplish remember there was no Messiah before Jesus, right? So they had to go off what they knew, the scriptures. But most of them were going off what they wanted in a Messiah. They wanted deliverance from Rome. Surely when Israel's Messiah arrives, they would experience this freedom, this new religious freedom under the law. And then you get Jesus saying things like, pay Caesar what's Caesar's. Oh, no, 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 that's not going to work for Israel's Messiah. No, no, no. And then you get Jesus saying things like, be kind to your neighbor, even the Samaritans whom you hate. Whoa, 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 pump the brakes. That's not going to work, Jesus. All those people shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and then as the week progresses, they hear him speak, and they're like, maybe this is not my Messiah. 
maybe this is not the one to redeem Israel. In fact, he's not even riding on the right type of horse. The disciples definitely had the most to gain from Jesus being the Messiah. They knew that once Jesus established his kingdom, they'd be a big deal. They'd have the friend in the highest place, right? In fact, they talked about it a lot in the Gospels, didn't they? In fact, they talked about it so much that Jesus had to stop them from talking about it. And two of them even go to Jesus and demand that when he established his kingdom, they be given the highest position of authority in his kingdom. They had left their families behind. They had spent countless days and nights in discomfort. They risked losing their identity as good God-fearing Jews and being expelled from the temple because they were worshiping Jesus. So they were risking their lives to follow this man. So in many ways, the disciples had left everything hoping that Jesus would be the Messiah that they wanted him to be. And then Friday happened. And all those hopes were crushed when Jesus was murdered. It's interesting how we do this, don't we? We, we place our hopes in things that really can't provide us with any real hope. In fact, we even do it with Jesus. <laughs> we ask him for things we don't need because we think those things will make us happy. And we focus on the gifts more than the giver. I don't know why we do that. It's part of our condition, I guess, our sinful condition. But the disciples thought that if Jesus established his kingdom, then these prominent positions of authority would make their life better. They thought if they sacrificed enough, that they stayed faithful to Jesus enough, then it would pay off in the end and they'd finally have what they wanted. And we do the same thing. We focus on all the wrong things that we think can provide us hope. And we try, and we try, and we try to get there. We Facebook it. We Pinterest it. And then we feel empty in the midst of the struggle, trying to gain and get the one thing that we think will make our lives complete. And we begin to focus on all the wrong things, on the gifts rather than the giver, and all that we face is frustration, whether we're lost or saved. I've asked that question often when people are facing difficult life circumstances. And uh, I've received all kinds of answers over the years. Um, some have said, well, my source of strength is in my family. That's what some people have said. My source of hope is, uh, is, my, is my job. It's my job. My source of strength is being positive when life gets hard. I wonder what it is for you this morning. Where is the anchor of your hope? You see, the problem with anything that you can come up with apart from Jesus is that it will leave you empty. 
your family can betray you. Amen? Oh, my family wouldn't do that. Live long enough. <laughs> if your vocation is where you get your, if your vocation is where you get your hope, what happens when you're not doing that anymore? But we place our hopes inevitably in things that will fail us. And we try, and there's, there's just this pit in our heart. And we do everything right. We put the uniform on right. We say the right words at work. We do the right things at home. And yet, we're still empty. And we feel like there's just something missing, and we can't put our finger on it. <laughs> and we know. We know. That the answer is Jesus. So you may have found yourself in the midst of this struggle at some point in your life. And I can tell you that those women that day and those Pharisees and some of those Sadducees and some of those religious leaders and some of those good God-fearing Jews that were screaming Jesus' praises as he entered into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, now found themselves in the place that many of us have been, and that is a place of hopelessness. Jesus, their rabbi, who they had given their lives to, had been murdered. So this is where many of them were on Sunday morning. They had this idea of what hope looks like, and then that hope was crushed. But there's more to the story. There's more to the story. Let's go back to the text and see what God does that really surprises everyone. Look at verse 4. Now remember, the women show up to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body, and they find that he isn't there. Verse 4. So, while they were perplexed about this, or while they didn't know what was going on, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing, and as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember, ladies, how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned to the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Two men stood by with an announcement that day. Two men stood by with an announcement for those women and those disciples and those Pharisees and Sadducees and for me and for you and for anyone and everyone else in this world that is looking for hope beyond this life. Here it is. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Amen and amen and amen. Our hope is alive today and forevermore because Christ is risen. He rose for those women who came to the tomb looking for a dead man. Amen. He rose for those disciples who were scattered, didn't know what to do. Jesus rose for them on Sunday morning. He rose for the religious leaders who had secretly hoped that he might be the Messiah and who had even put him on the cross. Jesus rose for those men. 
He rose for the Jews and the Greeks and the Samaritans and the rich and the poor and the destitute and the demon-possessed. He rose for them all. And he is alive today. Amen. And many of them had these ideas about who Jesus should be. But Jesus was doing something better. Amen. <laughs> they had these ideas about what they wanted Jesus to do, when in reality, he was doing the thing for them and for us that we need the most, more than we need air in our lungs. Jesus came to redeem them from the power of sin that has a vice grip on every individual born on this planet. Jesus came to release you from that. Not to set you free from politics. Not to somehow make your life financially better or give you more freedoms. He came to give us the ultimate freedom. The freedom from sin and from death. So this announcement wasn't just for those disciples or the women that day. It was for you and me. He rose so that all of us might have the hope of eternal life through the power of his resurrection and his victory over sin and death for us. He rose for the times when we put our trust in the wrong things. Guilty as charged. He rose for the times when we live as if he is still dead. We think about his teachings sometimes. But he rose for the times when we act as if he's not even there. He rose for you, for that. So this is the announcement today. It's the same as it was 2,000 years ago. If you're here to hear about a dead person, you're in the wrong place. Jesus is alive, amen? He conquered sin and death so that all of us could have the hope of forgiveness, the hope of a relationship with God, and the hope of eternal life in his presence forever. And let me testify today to you that life is better with Jesus. It's, be, it's beyond better to know that for all those faults, all those failures, all that fear, all that anxiety, all that stress, all of that is redeemed. Doesn't mean we, life still won't be hard. And it doesn't mean that we won't have trying times. But what it does mean is when we find ourselves in those circumstances, you have an anchor that will hold. No matter what. Because he's alive. He's alive for you today. He's alive for you who are here that don't feel worthy. He's alive for you. He's alive for you who are here that think to yourself, God could never forgive me. He is alive for you today and you can be forgiven. Amen. He's alive for you when you don't feel loved or wanted. He is alive for you today 
and you can have hope now and forevermore. There is hope today because Jesus is alive. Woo! Man! Okay. So in the beginning, I told you that uh, this soldier, you know, he didn't have an answer. And uh, I guess it was about, um, I want to say maybe three weeks ago, somewhere in there. I'm sitting on my couch one Thursday evening. In Psyop, the evening is 1600, just so y'all know. Uh, so it's about 1620. And I'm sitting on my couch, and I get a text. And uh, he says, uh, hey, sir, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay, yeah, let's talk. He said, uh, when can we meet again? And um, I was going out of town that weekend. So I said, let's do it Tuesday. You know, let's do it Tuesday. So uh, about 20 minutes went by. And uh, my phone dinged again. And he said, hey, sir, I can't wait to tell you. I have to tell you right now that I asked Jesus into my heart. And it's the best thing ever. And that young man is standing, sitting right there. Say, would you stand up for just a second? Amen. Thank you, Trey. Ladies and gentlemen, there is hope today. Amen. There is hope for you when you can't give that answer. Jesus is there. And he is calling someone in here today to salvation. For those of you who can't give an answer today, in just a moment, the band's going to come up, and we're going to all stand, and we're going to start singing, and you're going to start talking yourself out of coming forward to receive the gift of salvation. You're doing it right now. You're saying, I can't do it. I can't go forward. I'm going to be embarrassed. Nobody's going to embarrass you. Today, Jesus is alive for you. Even if you've never trusted in him, he is here for you today. There is eternal hope. If you've lost hope, this is the news. Jesus is alive. For those of you here who know Christ as Savior, maybe you've been putting your hope in the wrong things lately. Again, guilty. What a great day to come forward and get in this altar and recommit yourself to the Lord. Amen? On Easter, what better day? For those who have been committed and have a passion to see people come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, today maybe you want to come forward to this altar and pray for those people who are in a battle right now with themselves as they sit there. And finally, for those of you who have been hopeless, who felt unloved or unwanted, who've been placing your trust in all the wrong things, who've been battling with sin, Today, Jesus is calling you. He's alive. He's calling you to himself to repent of your sins and place your faith in him, the risen Savior. Don't let this opportunity pass. I invite you to stand with me. Father, we thank you for raising Jesus from the dead, for our forgiveness. We thank you that we can place our faith in Christ and be forgiven for all of our sin. We pray now for those here today that may be, that you may be calling to salvation and faith in Christ. God, encourage them to come forward and place their faith in you. And now, God, bless this time of repentance 
as we celebrate your resurrection on this Easter Sunday. We pray all these things in Christ's name and all God's people said, amen. That was this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast. Please tune in for next week's podcast.